Our sponsor today, Manscaped, has you covered to keep the hair looking nice and trimmed and feeling fully supported. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. The Premium Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof, includes an LED light, and is made with advanced skin-safe technology, which reduces nicks and cuts on your delicates. Plus, for a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package Kit, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. The Manscaped Anti-Chafing Cooling Boxer Briefs might be one of the best parts of this package. The waistband is super elastic to reduce chafing and rubbing. And if you pair these boxer briefs with their pH balancing liquid products like the Crop Preserver, you're ready for anything. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC20. From the moose to the caboose, always use the right tools for the job. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back for the Tuesday morning edition of Two Man Advantage, the podcast. It's early. It's earlier in Edmonton than it is here in Georgia. And already, I know this is going to be a banner day because my good friend, Chris Johnson, getting up early in Edmonton to come and join us this morning. Chris, I, I feel... You know, I feel, I feel a little bit melancholy because I haven't seen you. I, I think the last time was at Pierre's Cottage, and that's a year ago in, what, July. And so this is our chance to catch up, but it's sort of, you know, it's kind of a formal thing, as much as, as formal as we get on Two Man Advantage. But it's so good to talk to you. It's so good to have you aboard. Well, Scotty, it's the weirdest year, isn't it? I mean, covering the playoffs, to be honest, for me, obviously the the, the fun parts of the job are – the excitement around the games, seeing friends like you, um, being together with everyone. And, and, you know, we just haven't been able to have that this year. And so it's been really cool for me to be able to be at a, a lot of the games, first in Toronto and now here in Edmonton. But it's too bad we, we can't be together, my friend. I know. I know. I lament it, too. And, and I know, you know, it must be. Well, this is. Well, let me ask it. To, because you live in Toronto and so your experience in the Toronto bubble would have been like, a well, home game and home games for the Leafs until they were bounced in five games by Columbus. But all the time you were there was like a home game. So what's it like to pack and get, you know, go on a road trip? What's that like for you? How did, how'd you make out? You can be honest with us here. Well, I fumbled around like someone who hadn't done it in six months. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> I forgot my jacket and I've come to learn in a couple of days in Edmonton that, that fall is much closer here than it was in Toronto when I left there. <laughs> And, and I could probably use a jacket since I'll probably be here for a month. Uh, I forgot all kinds of stuff. I didn't bring a, a comb. I, anyway, I just, I, I, I don't even have an excuse. I have no idea. I knew this road trip was coming, but I, I just didn't do a good job of it. Um, and it, it was weird, honestly. Flying was strange because, you know, it's something we both do a lot in our, our regular travel, our regular days and hasn't been regular for a long time. But, um, you know, it is, it is it's neat to be here and uh, it's kind of surreal thinking, you know, these last two days I've been in the arena Rogers place 
that at some point we're going to be in that empty arena and someone's going to lift the Stanley Cup. I mean, that's just, it's, we all know what's happening. It's not going to be a surprise, but it still doesn't feel quite real, if you know what I mean. Well, I'll tell you, it's interesting. I I had a chat with John Klingberg yesterday of the Dallas Stars, and uh, we were chatting for, you know, for a story I'm going to write at some point. And uh, at the end of the conversation, he, he was like, well, what's it like? Basically, what's it like on the outside? Like, what are people saying? Like, he, he he's not doing a lot of social media and stuff. And he's like, he, I think what he was wondering, is there the buzz that, just like you're talking about, Chris, you know, his Dallas Stars team went to double overtime in Game 7 against St. Louis a year ago. You know, he talked about the excitement in Dallas and all that kind of stuff. And And I think there is this kind of, uh, I, you know, living in a vacuum. I mean, we, we living in a bubble, but this vacuum about how the how the game is being perceived or received outside the bubbles, and it was just interesting. I'd never thought of it, but John was like, "What's like?" My sense was, "Do people care? Like, are people invested?" And my sense is they are, but it must be that's just the reality for the players and coaches and managers on those final four teams that they are isolated and they are. That they are, you know, in in a distinctly different world, and operating maybe you know sort of out of touch with reality. Does that make any sense? It makes sense because you know what's what's great about the playoffs. I mean, you're in any city. We, we've we've all been in lots of different cities over the years uh, when the playoff games are going on and and the buzz is there. There's people everywhere. It's it's you know the weather's turning nice because usually we're doing this in the spring. Uh, and and people are outside partying and revelry, and it just couldn't be any different around this. I mean, I, I appreciated some aspects of that when I was in Toronto, especially because it's, the arena is in a busy part of downtown. I could get from my condo to the rink in about five minutes because there's nothing going on. Um, right. But you know, it's it's it, it is so weird, and, and even still, like even after doing this for whatever six weeks. Uh, or whatever I've been going to these games. I mean, you just never quite get used to the idea that this is a big game and there's nothing going on around it. You, you're not seeing people. You're not feeling that energy. Um, you know, it, it, it's it, it's just strange. So it's 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 interesting that that was John's perspective. And, you know, I, I can't even imagine for the players on the Western half of this, you know, that are now into their seventh week staying at the JW Marriott or, you know, I know a few teams started at different hotels, but... You know that they they've lived their life in this very very small contained area around Rogers Place um, for that long. You know, I, I do think that there's a mental health benefit to at least being the Eastern teams that have been able to switch in the middle of this and and you know start to deal with a, a new normal and all that kind of stuff. But um, it, it's you know I I will say this and I do think that probably the average person um, doesn't realize what I think you know, is a huge sacrifice the players are making and, and the staff members and the league staff to to pull all this off. And, and I commend them because I actually think the games have been awesome. It's just everything around the game uh, doesn't look like anything we would we would call normal. Well, before we turn our attention to the actual games and, uh, you know, some of the other hockey news that's going around and having been in both bubbles now and experienced it, I mean, do you... I mean, do you have a sense? I don't know that any of us do, but what, you know, when we might get back to normal. And, and as you were talking, like I think about walking down that hill in Pittsburgh from the Marriott to 
PPG Paints Arena and and all that crowd there are walking up to Amelie Arena in Tampa and all that great outdoor space that the Lightning have there and what that buzz is like. And, and of course, I'm not sure there's any place like Vegas, you know, walking down the strip and then in to uh into the the rink and out i'm at a loss now what are they t-mobile they? Arena, t-mobile yeah. yeah t-mobile arena and that you know walking through that crowd to get in there and you you're right you walk in there and you get you you're you're engaged right so never mind the players you, you know you're engaged to get in there and and do your thing do you do you have a sense do you have optimism do you think okay i i think you know by you know maybe next season halfway through like what's your do you have a sense of what what's next for us I don't, unfortunately, and you know I'd love. I'm, I'm an optimistic person by nature, uh, but yes, you, you know are. I, I, I'm a little bit concerned about it. If I'm being honest, I mean I I just don't know. You know, even coming out here to Edmonton, it just it's a reminder of how far we are from normal. You know, going through airports and things like that. It felt like I was in the apocalypse, uh, and yeah. you, you know, even being in in I'm in a hotel, obviously in Edmonton near the arena. You know, they told me that they've got like 30 people in a, in a hotel with f- uh, 500 rooms. Um, you know, I, everything feels kind of empty and quiet. And, um, you know, obviously I, I'm not an epidemiologist or a doctor. I, you know, I don't know what's going on with the pandemic, but it feels really far away if, if I'm going to be you know, honest. And, you know, I know I'm having some conversations with people that, you know, the, the idea of what next year looks like in the NHL, I think, is still a very, very open conversation. Obviously, there's ideas for how they might have a season. Um, you know, but I, I, when we're back in a city, either in regular season or playoffs, with a fully, you know, sold-out building, like, I, I think it could be a couple of years, honestly, uh, before that happens. You know, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm just being too cautious, but... It just feels like we're a long way from there. I mean, obviously, this is going to happen in stages, and we're going to see arenas with some fans and, and not, you know, completely full. And, and I think we're all going to get used to new routines in our lives that, that allow this sort of thing to happen. But essentially, you know, pro sports is going to be the last thing that becomes normal. And, you know, for anyone out there, I can really only speak to what's happening in Canada, but, you know, that's sending their kids back to school right now or you know, just isn't going out to a restaurant to have a meal with with their their partner. I mean, we're just really far from having sort of daily routines return. And I just, I feel that sports will probably be one of the last things that that does return uh, in the order of events there. Yeah, no, I think you're, I think you're right on. And it it is, it's hard to, and and the thing about it is that we're, you know, like we're, we're post Labor Day now, and we're going to see a Stanley Cup awarded in Edmonton, in what four weeks maybe less and then there'll be a draft and then free agency like we're going to get on it pretty quickly whatever is going to whatever is going to lie ahead of us that runway is pretty short and uh, so it'll be interesting to see but let's all right let's talk some it's going to be crazy man we gotta say it is yeah yeah i mean the 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 buyout window for players is going to open during the stanley cup final i mean basically we're going to have an overlap of the end of this this playoffs and the start of the off season, I think it's going to be a blur of stuff, and then it might be really quiet because it's going to happen like a sugar high. <laughs> yeah, well, you're right because you you'll have all of these things that need to get done, like you say, the buyout, the draft, free agency, and then if if you can't start training camp on November seventeenth, then then you're right. Then then that period may there may be 
a, a pretty significant lull in the action as, as the league and the players association and all of the owners and everyone involved tries to figure out what's next but you're right it's gonna it's gonna happen really quick and then we might then there might be some uncertainty so that'll be that'll be part of our new reality too i think it will and and the one thing i should say too scotty because i was skeptical they'd even play this 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 playoff tournament you know if we would go back to april or may uh, when you and i were catching up a bit here and there you know i, I wasn't all that optimistic about that so you know I, I think i should have more faith in the nhl uh that that they can find their way through this and and that there will be you know obviously the people there have done a great job in pulling this off so you know maybe they'll they'll have some creative solutions for the 2020-21 season but um you know it's uh, next year is going to be different too yeah well and and you're right this isn't a question of oh well can it's not about whether the league can get its act together it's you know it's clearly had its act together in a in a rather remarkable way and along with the players association and like just all those people, you know, who who worked together, and and the numbers came out again yesterday. No positive tests once again. Is that six weeks now, uh, or whatever? The and the number is is incredible. It's um, it is, it, it, and I'm with you, Chris. And I I think a lot of us were like, okay, well, <laughs> that's a there's a lot of moving parts to try and get this together when we were thinking about it in July, and to to be at this point is. A re- is a remarkable feat and I, I you know I, I mean I don't know whether in your travels because it's you don't even really get to intersect with people and even if you're in an arena at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto or Rogers in in Edmonton you don't really come in contact with those people but I I do hope they understand that people are like yeah that's been that's been a pretty remarkable achievement thus far yeah, I've tried to remind them via text. <laughs> hey, I'm not too far from you every day, and I appreciate what you're doing. We just can't see each other. Uh, you know, even that's weird, right? I mean, it's it's so funny. I especially in Toronto, the way that the media setup was. I'd go to the games and almost see literally nobody. Uh, there does seem to be a few more media members here, but that's about that's sort of the limit of your contact. Whereas, you know, normally you're in the dressing room, you're talking to players, you're talking to the PR staff. You're you know, you, you might bump into scouts or management people. Throughout the course of your day, obviously you see the head coach every day. I mean, you know, I, I've I've been covering the Tampa Bay Lightning by proxy for several weeks now, but you know, I haven't seen John Cooper or Victor Hedman or any of these guys that uh, you know I'd like to actually have a face to face conversation with at some point. Yeah, I know what you mean. All right, here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna take a very quick break, and then we'll come back, and we're going to talk about. I, I bet the Islanders saw enough of Victor Hedman in and Nikita Kucherov and Braden Point uh, in game one of the Eastern Conference Final. So we're going to take a quick break and come back and talk some on-ice hockey and maybe some other stuff. So don't go away. Chris Johnson will be back with us in just a moment. Now is the time to celebrate. Football is finally back, and DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, has millions of reasons why you should be excited. To kick off the football season, DraftKings is giving new users a free shot at a $1 million top prize with a total of $3 million up for grabs for this Thursday's football contest. Getting in on Thursday night's single-game showdown is easy. All you have to do is download DraftKings using promo code MAYS, M-A-Y-S. Draft six players from the season opener. Stay under the salary cap and see how your team stacks up against the competition. So, head to the app now to start making it rain. Plus, new users who sign up today on DraftKings using code MAZE 
will receive a free shot at the $1 million top prize with your first deposit. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game like having a shot at a million-dollar payday. So download DraftKings app now and use code MAZE. For a limited time, new users can get a free shot at the $1 million top prize and $3 million in total prizes. Don't miss this extra special week one bonus. Enter code MAZE to get a free shot at the $1 million top prize with your first deposit. That's code MAZE, M-A-Y-S, only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, Chris. So you you fly all the way to Edmonton. You and as you mentioned, you've been following Tampa. It felt like, and I, you know, watching from the comfort of my couch here in Georgia, it felt like I hadn't seen Tampa play in like a month. And there they were. And oh my God, did they put a beating on the New York Islanders? I, I honestly, I knew the Islanders might be a bit fatigued. That you know, you know, the quicker turnaround for them after beating Philadelphia in Game Seven and. The travel to Edmonton, but I don't know what you expected. But what when you, at the end of last night's game, what we what did you think? What was your impression of an eight-two Tampa win? Just wow! You know, it, it was <laughs> so emphatic. You know, sometimes just the moment, even the way Braden Point scored on his first shift there, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, just such a a real statement kind of goal. Stutter stepping around, uh, you know, Pollock and and driving to the net. Um, you know, I, I think obviously the way that game turned out, it, it actually makes me believe it, it will just be a, a literal throwaway for the Islanders. I, you know, I don't know that it's going to tell us it's going to be that instructive about these series. You know, we knew that Tampa was highly skilled um, when they play like they did last night. Obviously, they, they bring a lot of speed. And, you know, I think that that overwhelmed an Islanders team that, you know, did come out of an emotional seven game series against Philadelphia, who you know decidedly didn't play in, in a manner we saw Tampa uh, go last night. Um, and, you know, it is no small thing. You know, the, the Lightning got to Edmonton 19 hours before the Islanders, you know, by virtue of having won their series sooner. They, they had a week between games, you know, whereas, you know, Barry Trotz's crew was was going 48 hours later with, with a time change with that travel. Um, you know, I do think fatigue, no one wants to hear it or no one wants to ever speak it in sports uh, because it's an excuse. But I, I do think that, that there's an element of that. And so, you know, I do expect this series still to be quite close, but that that was a, a statement victory for me. And you know, I I know the Lightning too. They they had some concerns that maybe the gap between when they beat Boston and started this series against the Islanders would work, you know, against them. But you know, that wasn't the case. And and you know, the fact that it was their top players driving a lot of the offense in in that game. I mean, I think that that comes with a certain confidence that you know your top guys are are pulling you along, pulling you into the fight and. You know, for my money, I know Miro Haskinen was was getting a lot of love here on the Western side, but, you know, certainly among the Eastern teams, I would say Brain Point's probably the, the Stanley Cup favorite, at the, or sorry, the Consmite favorite at this point, uh, you know, yeah. if, if Tampa's able to continue to play. Yeah, to me, what's so interesting about watching Tampa this spring, and like I could, I wish that first round series between Tampa and Columbus had gone nine games. I, I couldn't get enough of that series, just the emotion that was there, and so much of the narrative with Tampa has been how they have evolved and changed their personality from a year ago 
Blake Coleman adding some sand up front. Of course, Pat Maroon, the Stanley Cup winner, coming over from St. Louis. Zach Bogosian on the back end has been, you know, a, a terrific find cast off by the Buffalo Sabres. Um, even Luke Shen, I think, has been, you know, coming in and when they they wanted to go with an extra defenseman or with Ryan McDonough was hurt for a couple of games. Um, it's all been about, okay, you know, Tampa can play the gritty hard game and then last night it's all okay never mind that we are just going to steamroll you with our skill and you know Kevin Shattenkirk has three assists on the back end and it just was oh okay so you can you you can still light it up and I wonder if you expect I mean maybe that doesn't continue but it certainly is it, it, it reminds us that this isn't a team that isn't you know that just didn't dumb itself down it can still light it up with the best of them. Sure. And, you know, I think that all those dimensions, you know, are what make them so dangerous now is because, you know, they don't have to win a game that way and, and they don't only play that way. And, you know, the Columbus series was actually very, for me, very instructive in that because, you know, those games were all very close. I think there's one that was lopsided, but other than that, they were pretty much one or two goal games with an empty net or kind of games. You know, a lot of those nights Tampa played from behind and kind of had to be patient and wait to strike. You know, obviously they played five overtimes in the one. They clinched it in another overtime. I mean, we, we just saw, I think, a, a level of maturity from them. And, you know, that it probably comes with the fact that this is their fourth, you know, conference final period in six years. You know, they've been a, an elite contender for a long time now. And, and they're still trying to find a way to get over the hump. But I, I do think there is something to, you know, the moves that Julian Breesbaugh made at the deadline. Because, you know, that, that, that Yanni Gord line has, has been a real killer for them. Uh, with, with Blake Goldman and Barkley Goodrow. And obviously, you know, until February, the, the, the two wingers on that line, uh, you know, weren't part of the team. And so, um, you know, it's 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 a pretty well-rounded group. And, and, you know, that's why I do think it's it's going to be a throwaway. Even though they have all that skill, they're, they're not trying to score eight. Um, you know, they just sort of turned out that way in game one here. They, they got some power play goals. And that was just kind of a strange night and, and certainly not the Islanders' best effort. Do you, I mean, you cover the Leafs. I mean, you 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 cover the league, of course, as a whole with your work at Hockey Night and and other Sportsnet properties. But you cover the Leafs, and I I think there has been this. Okay, the Leafs need to use Tampa as a blueprint, and and what Kyle Dubas may do in the off season. And you know, we've already seen him clear up cap space with the that monster deal with Pittsburgh for Kasperi uh, Kapanen. I I mean, is it is it that simple? Hey, we should do what Tampa's doing, and 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 things will be better for Toronto, or it. Is it that simple? I mean, maybe maybe we can't just use an overlay and say, okay, if you're Team A and you do what Tampa's doing, you should have similar success. Yeah, I don't think it is that simple because, you know, the Leafs don't have Victor Hedman. And, you know, Tampa has a little bit more balance uh, in, in the way their, their lineup is constructed. I mean, obviously they got tons of high-end players. Um, but, you know, I think for Toronto, it's, it's going to be a different challenge. You know, what I do think is is a direct comparison though, is, you know, Barry Trotz made the observation. I thought this was interesting because so often in a playoff series, you know, the coach of one team isn't going to talk to de- in a detailed manner about the other team, uh, just because I don't think it serves his purposes in, in these moments. But he said, Tampa used to feel like they had four lines that all kind of were the same, you know, and, that, and that's, you know, skill and, and obviously they can beat you. And, you know, those, those Tampa teams for years, really the last five seasons have basically been the highest scoring in the league. Um, because they had that kind of depth of scoring. And I think that's where Toronto's been at. Um, and I, I think that the Leafs do have to look to, you know, 
add add a little bit more, um, you know, in their bottom six, you know, change their look a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I do think that that's something they can mimic. I do think it's something they'll try to mimic. You know, we, we, we saw them, you know, two of Kyle Dubas's trades in the last, you know, year, year and a half or, or to get Jake Muzzin, one, one brought in Kyle Clifford. You know, I do think that there's an acknowledgement to a degree that, that, you know, you just can't have four lines that are, you know, trying to be elite offensive lines. But, um, you know, I do think there's going to have to be an evolution in the way that that team is constructed. And, you know, the, the Leafs are trying to do something, you know, not many teams have had success at just because they're, they're paying their top players, you know, such a huge percentage of a salary cap that isn't likely to go up too much here in the next number of seasons. So, you know, I, I think the work is, is still just beginning in Toronto, um, you know, but I also think that, that for all the criticism they may take or people that want to critique them, I mean, they still have, you know, the, the elite offensive players that, that you can really only get one way. And that's, that's, you know, having poor finishes or getting luck in the draft lottery and picking at the top. And so, you know, they, they've got the hard part nailed in some ways, you know, by having an Austin Matthews and a Mitch Marner and, you know, William Nylanders, you know, signing John Tavares. Um, but, you know, they do have to to move around the deck pieces around those guys because, you know, I, I just think that the, 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 it, it can't all, it's, you know, we, we've moved in a good way towards analytics and, and, you know, I think the way we're looking at the game now as a whole is is positive, but there, there's there's something there to getting in playoff games and having players that, that can, you know, be difficult to play against, that can antagonize the other team, that, that can throw a big hit, you know, that that's still in the game. I mean, I've actually never watched more playoff hockey live in my life than this. And, and you just see it in all kinds of teams. And, and you know, for my money, the Leafs didn't have enough of that. And, and I think the next time we see them play, uh, there'll be moves made that, that, you know, kind of address some of those issues. Well, and I think you're right on. And I think you look at the final four and all four of those teams have those kinds of players in in the lineup, you know, whether it's a veteran guy like Corey Perry in Dallas or, um, you know, really it, Vegas has, you know, there's an element of that almost on every one of their forward lines, as talented as they are. And as you pointed out, Goodrow and uh, Blake Coleman for Tampa, J.G. Pajot for me and, well, that, you know, the, the the greatest fourth line in, in hockey for the Islanders. Yeah, they're, I think you're absolutely right. All four of those teams have those kinds of elements. And even watching from afar, you know, watching on a nightly basis on on television, I think when you watch that volume of hockey, that you, you it does stick out to you. You're like, okay, this is, you know, when you see teams fall by the side, you're like, okay, you know what? I don't think that team, they didn't have the jam, right? They didn't have, they didn't have what you needed. And, you know, whether it's, you know, a hackneyed old phrase or whether it's whatever it is, but it is different in the playoffs and you have to play differently and you have to have different kinds of players if you want to have success at this moment. And and I think we're seeing that on a nightly basis now. And it, it's kind of cool, actually. We are. And, and, you know, it's been an interesting thought experiment, Toronto. Like this conversation becomes very polarizing to, for, it, you know, around the Leafs, you know, for people who care about that team. But, you know, essentially... The, the, the vision that they, they had is, you know, let's control the puck more than everyone else. Let's have four lines that, that can score, you know. And, you know, I think they're really modeling after what's happened in soccer. I, don't, I only follow soccer from a real distance. But, you know, I know that there's there's a real been a real push in that sport about, you know, the way teams play and, and it's it's to control the ball as much as possible. And intuitively it makes sense. And and, and I don't think it's, it's completely wrong as a philosophy. It's just that, you know, you, you do need players, say like a Zach Bogosian, 
or, you know, I've even enjoyed Ryan, watching Ryan McDonough, you know, a bit at this stage of his career with the Lightning, um, who, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not controlling the play in the sense that, they, you know, they're, they're either at, at an age or, you know, or they just don't have that particular skill set. Um, where they're 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 getting the offense started for Tampa, but they still have a lot of use, and and you can see the use because, you know, John Cooper's played those guys a fair bit in these playoffs. And you're right, you mentioned Luke Shen earlier. I mean, you know, he's played the last five games now for the Lightning, and and you know the, those. The, the, I guess you, you need to build an orchestra. Remember, as Lou Lamorell used to say, I mean, it, it can't all be the. You know, you need a little bit of the percussion too, um, to to make beautiful music and. You know, I, I actually come to appreciate it too. I, I don't think the Leafs were necessarily wrong, but I do think that 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 they just have to tweak that vision a little bit. And and I, I actually believe they're they're there on their own. I mean, we're not telling them anything. They haven't kind of arrived at it on in in their own conclusions. And and um, you know, I, I, I did, it's going to be interesting to see what that team looks like. You know, a year or two from now. Yeah. All right. I'm going to let you go, but I do want to ask you, you're going to see your second game in the Edmonton bubble, uh, later on today, Vegas, Dallas, uh, what, you know, what you, what are you looking forward to most about game two in the Western conference final after Dallas completely changed its own narrative and uh, squeaked out a one, nothing victory in game one. Well, I just, I want to see what Vegas team shows up. I mean, I, I actually, it's funny. I, I got here. I, I flew in on Sunday afternoon. I got here just in time for that game basically straight from the airport to the arena. And I just, I was stunned because, you know, I obviously had watched on television the way Vegas just overwhelmed Vancouver. And, and uh, you know, obviously those games were close. They lose game five and six. But, I mean, they, they were clearly the the better team of those two teams in that moment. And then you watched, especially the first two periods against Dallas, and Dallas just took it to them. And, you know, it, it's a one nothing game, but the, the run of play – uh, was was decidedly in the stars' favor, and, and so, you know, I, I I kind of I'm I'm going to that game tonight, you know, with with an idea, you know, what kind of punchback does does the Golden Knights have? Is was there something systematic the Stars exploited, or was there maybe a letdown again, similar to what we talked about with the Islanders, you know, jumping from one series to the next for Vegas? But, you know, I I kind of had Vegas in my mind as the favorite in the series, um, and you know they didn't look like the favorite in Game One, so you know it's it's what is great about the playoffs, frankly, is you, is you see something and then you, you want to de- detect what the response is. And, and, you know, I think that there's, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll probably, if I was betting, I would say we're likely to see a different effort from the Golden Knights, but, you know, maybe the stars have exposed something in them or found something, or maybe, you know, the, the they, they have an edge just with the way the teams are built. And so, you know, I'm looking for the next chess move here. Yeah. Listen, my friend, it, uh, it has been a tremendous to catch up with you this morning and uh, so thankful for your time and your insight and hey, it's always you know I'm, again i feel a bit melancholy i I'm, i miss hanging out with you and miss seeing you but uh, this was the next best thing so thank you for coming to hang out and you should always read chris johnson's hockey coverage at sportsnet.ca and of course you can watch him on hockey night in canada and follow him on twitter at reporter chris thank you my friend it's been a treat awesome thanks for having me scott all right, always great to catch up with Chris Johnson. He's is one of the true pros in the business and a longtime pal, as you can tell. Um, we've got Game 2 Dallas-Vegas coming up on Tuesday evening. In uh, the interim, you might want to check out 
Craig Custance in his conversation with the new GM of the Florida Panthers, Billy Zito, on the full 60 at The Athletic this week. Um, Arthur Staple, our good pal. We might call on him as this uh, Eastern Conference final uh, moves along. Uh, We'll have a new edition of No Sleep Till Belmont this week at The Athletic. You should always check out our comment section for each podcast episode at The Athletic app. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to Two Man Advantage on Apple and click on theathletic.com slash twomanadvantage to get 40% off your subscription. And tomorrow, Wednesday, Pierre Lebrun will be back in the Two Man Advantage chair for the full edition of our podcast. And we are excited to be welcoming in Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly to talk about all of what has unfolded with the NHL this summer. So don't miss that. I look forward to it tomorrow.